Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Kicking the Kyriarchy, the original intersectional feminist podcast that aims to provide a platform to voices, stories and narratives that are traditionally ignored by the mainstream. We are in the thick of exploring sexuality and I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for this chat today. Last time we spoke to Lana about being pansexual and all about her experiences of coming out being from a working class Anglo-Indian family and how all of these identities intersected with her identity of being pansexual. If this sounds like a bit of you and you're interested in learning a bit more about it, go find that episode right now. Take your phone out, hit back. You can carry on listening to this one at the same time. Find Lana and hit download and you can listen to it right after you've done this one. For this episode, we are going to be exploring bisexuality and in particular what it's like for a woman of colour to be bisexual and from a working class background. We'll be debunking myths and stereotypes like oh bisexuality is just one stop to being gay and bisexual people are greedy and it's not a real sexuality. We'll be chatting about coming out and erasure of identity and all about mental health and bisexuality. So enough of me, let's meet the amazing Aaliyah. So my name is Aaliyah. I identify as a bisexual mixed-raced woman. I'm working class and I love pizza. <laughs> nice. Little nugget there. Yeah, I like love, it. love a bit of pizza. Yeah, exactly. Don't we all? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast this episode to kind of chat about exploring sexuality and in particular for this one, bisexuality. So uh, to kick us off, I guess my first question is... What is bisexuality? So, I think it's sexuality in general, the subjective, but my personal description of it would be being attracted to both men and women. That would be the bog standard, but there are so many different elements to that as well. Right. And so then what's been your journey then to find that label for yourself? So, in general, when I was growing up, I never really fancied anyone. <laughs> I was thought I always thought to myself, oh, I must be a lesbian because I didn't fancy any of the boys in my year. I had like a small, small crush on a boy a few years above me, but nothing compared to my friends. They were all going out with boys and I was like, just don't have any interest in this. So I was like, I must be gay, even though I had no interest in anyone. <laughs> yeah. stop. When I was about 17, I dated a boy for like nine months through peer pressure I didn't really like him that much but I liked him as a person and then once again just didn't date anyone until I was about like I saw a boy when I was at university liked him it was like okay it was chill but nothing really came of it then whilst I was seeing that boy or kind of dabbling in that boy I um met my current girlfriend now and then 
it was literally like love at first sight it's so cringe but it was like oh. oh my god this is literally what I've been looking for yeah <laughs> it's so lame but it was like then I was like okay so this is what I should be this is how I should be feeling and I still look at guys and I can appreciate men and I find them attractive and I would never write them off anyway because I've been there before and I could be there again but right now I'm in a same sex relationship have been now for nearly three years and yeah so my relationship with my own sexuality has always been a bit of a internalized thing like in my head never really discussed it with anyone because it just it just wasn't something I needed to discuss but as I got older and I just realized that oh you know it doesn't matter whether I like anyone or not but then I found someone and I was like okay so maybe I'm bi because I've liked guys a little bit and I've liked this one girl so boom bisexual that's like I think that's one thing that kind of um out of all the sexuality is something I probably resonate with the most when you were younger why didn't you feel that you could like explore your sexuality or talk about it I don't know like in general it was just nothing really to discuss or people around me everyone was straight it was straight or then sometimes when you were at school like in secondary school there would be that one girl would come out as bi and everyone would be like oh my god like crazy and because I was just always around straight people and I just never felt maybe that there could be an option that I was potentially like a little bit queer, you know. I thought, okay, I must be gay because at the end of the day, I don't fancy boys. But then yeah. I realised I didn't fancy girls either or from my, like I'd never been in a, a crushy way to anyone. Yeah. So you just assume. And then for me, because it was never an issue, it wasn't really an issue to me. So I just felt like there was no need to discuss it with anyone else. And my family, like they were pretty liberal anyway, but... It just never came up as come up in discussion. Everyone around me was just like boy crazy, and I was just oh yeah, like and I just didn't want to bring that into an issue. You know, sometimes I don't yeah. want to make an issue out of something if there isn't an issue to be made of. And so then, since you've, I guess, claimed the label bisexual, bisexuality mm-hmm. for yourself, what's been your experience? You know, with your close ones around you, with that. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, everyone has been like pretty accepting. You know, I've never had. Like, thankfully, you know, I can't... Most people, I know sometimes it's not as easy sailing. Like, my family have always been really accepting of it. My friends have always been like, oh, so Leah didn't like anyone. That makes a lot of sense now. Mm. She's dating a girl. So, But for the most part, it's always been pretty accepting, though I know that experience is, like, I'm privileged in that sense, that not everyone has that welcoming experience, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, you wrote an article for Galdem mm-hmm. about, like, the silent B and LGBT. So can you talk to us a little bit about, like, the invisibility oh, yeah. of being bisexual 100%. So community? It always feels like... So I was saying this to my girlfriend. Like, we don't really go to, like, queer events or, like, LGBTQ plus um, events because we always feel like there isn't a place for us there when you go to these events often or not there seems to be almost like um a torch or magnifying glass on everyone else but the bee and it feels awkward so i remember once i went to an event on my own just because i was actually doing research for a little film i was making and there was a girl there and she approached me and she just automatically assumed one i was straight which is i get that a lot i suppose I don't um, necessarily fit, you know, the stereotypical, you know, queer woman, which is fair enough. I'm just accepting of that. But I told her, no, I've got a girlfriend. And she was just like, she get on this high rate of like, oh, it must be a phase. Like, are you here for attention? And I'm just like, no, like, it's not a phase. It's been nearly three years now, you know. And sometimes it feels like a little bit, 
you do feel a bit a little bit invisible like for the most part people around me have always been really accepting but the people you think would be the most accepting would be other like-minded individuals and for the most part everyone has been but there have been cases where I do just feel a little bit isolated and then when people say to you how do you identify you know my sexuality would never come really first in that you know because there hasn't been a community there for me and it would be lovely if it was the case but it's not something I feel like it doesn't keep me up at night but at the same time I know there are people like myself who are in similar situations who really crave a community in somewhere that they can kind of um be there unapologetically themselves you know and sometimes within the lgbtq community there just isn't um people just think it's a phase bisexuality is like not a legitimate sexuality and it can be embarrassing like i'm definitely guilty of just saying oh yeah i'm a lesbian because you just don't want to deal with the the drama behind it you know like oh yeah of course you're bi you know everyone's bi it's either bi now gay later or we're going through a phase and it's not like not serious and i can't be bothered with the hassle yeah, I know what you mean. Like people thinking like it's just like a either like the next stop to Gay Town, yeah, or <laughs> like you said, just being a phase. You know, you're just experimenting mm-hmm. and being young. I mean, you've said that. I guess that you've never really felt the need to really maybe go to super queer or LGBT spaces or events. Do you maybe wish that some had been more available to you, or that you did feel more welcome mm. in them? Yes, yes, and no. If there were more available for people like myself, I would be 100% down for it and just feeling accepted. But you do, there is like, I don't know whether it's a thing of me being bi or me being presenting a certain way, you know. If you look at people my age, you know, the 19 to 25 bracket, a lot of queer women or just LGBTQ people in general present themselves in a certain way and necessarily I might not conform to that sort of archetype yeah and so sometimes you do stick out like a sore thumb you do look like the the straight person in a queer event who's there for a their friend yeah (laughs) and I just I don't know like I just can't handle that hassle and it's like having to constantly validate yourself and like oh no I'm actually you know been with a woman now for like three years and there is that like sort of all that duality of just being like, can I be bothered for this hassle or should I just stay at home and go to like a straight club instead? And then that comes with its own hassles yeah. anyway. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's just a tricky situation. Like if there was events like that or just environments where I felt more comfortable, 100%, because I think there is nothing better than having a community that's for you and created by people like yeah. you. But at the same time, I think I'm in a position in my life where it's not a life and death situation. It's not going to... It's not going to shape me any further than it has now. But yeah. I know had I been in a situation like that maybe three or four years ago when I was kind of exploring my sexuality, it would have been incredible. But now it's give or take. Right. So now that you're kind of, you're comfortable with mm-hmm. your sexuality, you've found your partner, you know who you are. There isn't so much of a need for, sp- for a space like that necessarily anymore. But that would have been beneficial, you know, when maybe when you were younger, maybe when mm-hmm. you had more questions. And I think like I definitely see that in like like you said how there are a lot of clear spaces for like lesbians mm-hmm. and f- and for gay men and anything for like bisexual people tends to fall to the wayside and there isn't such a community for it but it is a very real sexuality and it should, 100% and it should yeah. be taken seriously as such why do you think that's the case why do people not take bisexuality seriously god knows <laughs> literally i always i think about it a lot because it is one of the fastest growing sexualities in the uk and i think it's a thing of so many stereotypes attached to it 
it's hard to shift them. And I think if you're if you like men or you like just women or just men, you're seen as gay or as lesbian, and that's valid. But the idea of having options like options and I quote I use the quote marks you know (laughs) it stuns people and I just don't think that's they're used to it and they're completely accepting of it they they see you as confused and I don't know like I I can't understand why it's hard for people to understand why why people are bisexual they don't see it as a legit sexuality but the only thing I can probably gather is that maybe just having having the thought of people liking multiple people, like not at once, but multiple sexualities or multiple genders, it's really hard for people to kind of like get their heads around. Do you ever, you know, come across like stereotypes of being told that you're greedy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, tell me about that. What has been, like, how have you experienced that? So more often or not, there's a lot of stereotypes or just stupid things that have been told to me. So it's either I'm greedy or I'm confused or I'm super, super hypersexualized. Like everyone thinks you're up for a threesome at all times. And that is so far away from my personality. I couldn't think of anything worse. In fact, I actually have a friend who is still convinced I'm going to be gay later because I would never, I was never really like open about sexual things with guys or women. It's just not who I am. She is still convinced that, oh, do you know what, Ali, you say you're like, you're bi, but I, I definitely think you're gay. And I'm like, okay, if that makes you feel comfortable, go with it. But I'm not going to sit here and try and validate my sexuality to you just so it makes you feel more comfortable yeah and so has it helped you finding a label to be like yes I'm bi Mm -hmm. does that no you know I think labels are there I think for the most part to make other people feel more comfortable trying to say that you know we were saying before like if I said I was queer you know to for people in the office you know they wouldn't really get what queer means or they don't really understand and then for me saying bisexual is a universal term that everyone just kind of gets and although sometimes I don't feel comfortable saying there are situations there are some there have been times sorry where I've been like does bisexual really summarize who I am but I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. It makes other people feel more comfortable. So let's just go with it. And that's how I just see it. I know who I am. I know who I love and like who I'm attracted to. And it doesn't make any difference in the type of person I am. But for the most part, I truly, I truly believe that labels are there to make other people feel more comfortable. And sometimes labels can help you kind of find clarity in the person you are. But I've never found that clarity with any label. Right. Yeah. But I think bisexual is just, for the most part, it's just okay, that's it, bog standard, and right. everyone else can be happy. And it it kind of, um, trying to explain to your friends, okay, that now I'm seeing a woman. And they're like, so Elia, what are you? And then it's like, you, you get put on the spot, and you're like, okay, so what do I say? And then bisexual came out of my mouth, and I've just been going with it since. It must be really frustrating then to have an identity, yeah, that you're constantly needing to, to put a label on for other people to understand. Yeah, it is confusing, and it's just, it is a bit long. Yeah. But... I've just come to terms that with when you do when you're attracted to both like to multiple genders it is just part and parcel of it and I think most sexualities come with their trials and tribulations and this is just one of them does it give you any kind of anxiety whenever someone says to you so Aaliyah what are you oh yeah yeah 100% it gives me so much anxiety especially if I'm around other queer people or like LGBTQ um, people I often just feel like saying I'm a lesbian because it just makes me feel a lot more I feel like they probably think okay so you're a lesbian you know what you are 
I always have that anxiety in my head that when you tell people you're bi, they think you're just confused or you're going through a phase. And that gives me a little bit of anxiety. Like, yeah. I don't even mention it at work. People are, what are you doing this weekend? And I still get to a point where I just don't really tell people I'm seeing my girlfriend or not because they're like, oh, Aaliyah, I didn't know. Or, and then it just becomes a conversation that I'm just not really... Yeah. I'm not bothered to have you know and like some people are there to like I'm not here to teach anyone you know I'm just want to live my life like yeah. <laughs> just living my life and then yeah but for the most part it does give me a little bit of anxiety especially when people say oh so what are you you just feel tense because it is like I have that yeah I said to you before I do, I've definitely been guilty of saying to people oh yeah I'm lesbian just to have that just not have the eye rolls and the oh are you sure like you don't look yeah. or yeah feels more definite yeah you know, it, it feels- does feel more definite when you say you're a lesbian or you're x y and z it always feels more definite when you're saying bisexual because it comes with such a, a string of just stereotypes attached to it that i'm aware of and i shouldn't like when i when i say i'm not bi or when i'm lying or if, even just my thoughts about about bisexuality it plays into those stereotypes and i just yeah. why should i feel so concerned about that but it's just the case has this ever been an issue with you and your partner or you and your girlfriend? Like, mm-hmm. is she bi? Right. So this is, once again, I think we're in a similar boat. She's probably like dabbled a bit more with women than I have, you yeah. know, but she's never been in a relationship with women until myself. Um, she would classify herself as bisexual. Right. But it's like one of those things, again, she would say maybe uh, if we ever broke up, she's not sure if she would go out with, with with another woman because she's not sure if she's attracted to women in general or if it's just me. And yeah. I'm just like, it's true. You just don't know. And I think yeah. that's what sexuality is about. It is so it is so fluid. You know, you might just fancy that one girl, but you're still like you are still or whatever you want to be. Like I would say I'm still bi, but you are who you want to be so if you want to say that one relationship you had when you were 25 to 20 to 30 was with a woman and then after that you never date a woman again you know are you still bi are you not you know I think that's up to you to decide yeah I think it's interesting I think we were kind of talking about it before we started recording how your girlfriend said if we were to break up I don't know if I would be with another woman just because I don't know if it's just you happen to be someone that I fancy who also happens to be a woman yeah and I think I feel the same thing you know I when I think about being with me and my girlfriend I really fancy her yeah and I really love being with her but I don't look at other women at all that's like myself like I literally just don't but that's the thing I don't look at other women and think oh my god I want to get in your bed yeah I'm like I want to be your friend I want to know where you got your clothes from exactly. I want to <laughs> and it makes me wonder had we been brought up in a more gender neutral society maybe or if we were taught to look at gender and sexuality with a bit more fluidity whether that would be different when I look at women and I'm like oh she's really cool I want to be her friend maybe actually I do fancy her Mm -hmm. but I'm confusing those feelings with oh I want to be her friend because I've been Mm socialised to not find women attractive and maybe I have the same feelings for men I look at men and I'm like oh I fancy him but in actuality I just think he's cool yeah you want to be his friend right but because you're conditioned to see men a certain way and women another way there's like a fine blurred line yeah Yeah. and the reason I ask about your partner is just because um, sometimes within queer relationships there can be a bit of like erasure of sexuality especially if one of you is bisexual one of you has been with other genders before and the other one hasn't or one of you is definitely like a lesbian or mm-hmm. is definite because I've, I've found that sometimes with being with my girlfriend and it can sometimes be quite difficult I guess because I guess none of us are immune to thinking about stereotypes you know mm-hmm. she can be like well you know 
you've been with men before why would you not go be with men now you know is this just a phase so I guess it can bring about issues in relationships you mentioned how bisexuality is is on the rise in terms mm-hmm. of people identifying with it why do you think that is world is becoming a little more accepting and I think mm. people are just becoming a little more open because of the obviously is so many strings attached to being bisexual and so many stereotypes but within that same breath the world is becoming a lot more open there's such a long way to go in terms of progression but we are getting we're getting better you know being bisexual being gay being a lesbian being trans doesn't hold so much of a stigma attached to it as if you were this 10 or 15 years ago so I probably think it's because people are just becoming a lot more open and seeing and you know gender as well is becoming so much more fluid you know it's the world is changing and I think Mm. people are growing and adapting with it and I always say had we grown up in a society where there weren't so many restrictions so many rigid sort of forms for us we would be more exposed to being attracted to multiple genders but because of the way we are and the way society is conditioned us to be, it's just not the case. Yeah, definitely. It totally makes sense that people would be wanting to experiment with their gender or with their sexuality. I mean, it's important to note that gender and sexuality are very different things. Yeah. You know, just because you're experimenting with your sexuality doesn't have any bearing on your gender identity. Whatsoever. Exactly. And it is kind of a little bit weird that that whole acronym is thrown together, you know, like... 100%. Like, if you're a little bit more masculine, you must be a lesbian. You know, that's... But that's why it's annoying because I think it's so hard to, to be a deviant from those stereotypes that you're looked as like an anomaly and like, what do we do with you? You know, what are you? Like, where do you sit in this spectrum that we know? But it's such a broad spectrum that yeah. you can flow anywhere and you can move. You don't have to be that same person you were 10 years ago. People evolve and people change and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your identity as a mixed race woman Mm -hmm. and how that intersects with your identity with being bisexual and your sexuality. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So I think from my experience, you know, when you're growing up in, you know, West Indian households, both my parents are um, mixed race, both English and Jamaican. Just in general, there are so many like stereotypes attached, you know, Jamaica is like notoriously you know homophobic you know and that has always been a bit of a it's been very scary like just being in that environment and just being wary of the fact that you know you are queer woman you know being bisexual um luckily enough I am from a family who just accepted me wholeheartedly but there have been situations where I've been skeptical about telling other members of my family because I know maybe their partner's opinions on it and I think sometimes as well people think that you can catch sexuality like if you're exposed to being with a lesbian or a gay person like automatically you know you might be susceptible to changing and that has always been really fearful of me like that sometimes it's an ignorant point of view but when you're in an environment that people believe that it can be quite a daunting experience especially with like your friends you know once again a lot of my friends are either Afro-Caribbean and there has been that stereotype and when initially like telling people that okay I'm now seeing a girl it was very very scary because you don't have that flexibility yeah. when like when a lot of religion comes into it as well you know people uh, have their own pre- like presumptions people want to keep their distance like, I had a friend we were really really close and she's from a very strict Muslim household and I think when she kind of found out she definitely kind of like distanced herself away from me and which was like quite a shame but I think because of the environment I grew up in and, you know, there is so much like homophobia in African and Caribbean households and just the community in general. That has always been quite a 
a sticky situation. But that being said, I, I know I'm probably one of the lucky ones who haven't experienced it on like an extreme level. So I'm always really grateful for that. Mm. But I can't say the same for everyone else. Yeah. But being a mixed race woman, I think generally people of colour, women of colour, their bodies are always hypersexualized as it is, you know. And I think when you add bisexuality in the mix, you're literally like someone's wet dream and that can be really uncomfortable at times you know you already see my body as like being a hypersexualized figure and then when you add a sexuality that is often considered you know hypersexual it's like a melting pot of the disaster <laughs> yeah is that unsettling very unsettling i think especially for in situations where me and my girlfriend have been out in like a club and like a guy might approach me and you say to him oh sorry i'm not like not interested you're like oh so you don't have a boy you have a boyfriend then i'm like no actually my girlfriend's sitting right there all of a sudden it's an imitation for like for a threesome and it's always like a thing of you sometimes you feel embarrassed to tell people you've got a girlfriend or you're bisexual because of the the stereotypes attached to it especially when it's another person of color you probably think oh what was she doing where's her dad like you know there's always like there's always like oh so was you around women too much or was you around men too much like it's always that sort of uh there's always questioning about it and it's never just um my sexuality is my sexuality there's always like a deeper meaning to it you can't just exist the way you want to exist there's always something going on on the outside but it's just the case I'm just who I am and there's yeah. no there isn't been any you know no man has like made me fall in love with women and everyone's always like oh so what kind of man like hurt you and you're like no one I'm just here like yeah Exactly. It's not a result of a man. No. It's weird, it's, weird isn't it's it? It's so annoying. Why does everything got, about be, got to be about men? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in every situation, it's always like, oh, so who's a man in the relationship? And I'm like, none. There was no man in this situation. But why do men, or just people in general, because other women are guilty of doing it as well. Like, why... Why do men have to be involved in everything? It's very jarring. This literally has nothing to do with men, patriarchy, masculinity whatsoever. Mm-mm. And they still find some way... To bring it about back to them. <laughs> to like weave their way into the narrative. Like, like, listen, just two girls loving each other, but why do you have to bring yourself into that? Like, yeah. you know, can't we just exist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Can we not exist without having any bearing or you having a bearing on our identity, mm-hmm. whether that's in a positive way or a negative way, you know? Why do you think that is then that there can be homophobia in, I mean, there can be homophobia in every community, Mm -hmm. right? And that's important to stress. But, you know, you've you've said particularly in African Caribbean communities. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? For the most part, in any African and Caribbean household, religion is like the most, it's at the core of it. And religion, being gay, is just the worst thing ever. And that, it's just like relays back onto it generation and generation. You know, you can't get rid of, these core values and traditions that you've been ingrained in and it's really hard to unlearn certain behaviours you know when we were growing up like with my friends and stuff you would say things so flippantly because you know that was fine like, you know as people say oh that's so gay you yeah. know or just being like if a guy liked a certain thing it was, he was definitely gay like there was no there was no scope for seeing out of that that picture but I always say religion is the forefront of probably why being gay or being LGBT in an African and Caribbean community is just so frowned upon because religion is the core of their of our identity. Not my identity personally, but for the most part, most people's. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not an expert in the history of religion and particularly in like in, a, in an African Caribbean setting, but I wonder if it is important to 
um, at least like show a nod to the colonial influence. One hundred percent, literally, without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, for the most part, these religions wouldn't be for wouldn't we wouldn't have even been exposed to them had you know not like you know they'd been forced upon us. You yeah. know, so I think that definitely, and it has like a long lasting effect. You know, and I think when often there's a lot of criticism on you know black men being very like hyper masculine and being homophobic you know but when that thing has been forced upon you and it's all you know it is very hard to unlearn that sort of behavior I mean it's no excuse you know we're living in a changing world and you need to get with the times but at the same time when you've it's when you've been like indoctrinated to know something is a certain case you can't have a go at people you need to unlearn behaviors and it's a slow process but it can 100% be done I've seen it happen you yeah. know African and Caribbean communities probably wouldn't have that, you know, inherent homophobia if that religion wasn't forced upon them to begin with. Like, you're none the wiser. But then within that same breath, you know, when black men are often called out on um, homophobic, like, remarks they've made, I also think it's very, it's a sticky line because, you know, if it's all you've known and it's something you've been forced upon, just because you've progressed and gone that, it's very hard to undo the the shackles of slavery yeah. and post-colonialism you know it's it's done and it's like it's a constant behavior so i think although there are certain things i hit listen i'm like why did you say that like so stupid but i have to be aware that not everyone is exposed to a liberal environment you know not everyone's exposed to not not even like i don't want to say it in a really weird way it's like oh education but sometimes being exposed to different types of people reading things watching things having that exposure can make you more of a well-rounded person and if you're not exposed to stuff like that it's all you know so these like toxic behaviors and opinions they can be unlearned and i always think there's always room for progression and i think even when you have cases of men's like male celebrities you know tweets resurfacing using like really inherently homophobic language i'm like disgusting i'm never condone it but at the same time i have to acknowledge that it's growth and like in the black community homophobia is inherent and if that that person was said like some really shitty stuff like seven years ago and they're a completely different person now you have to kind of applaud the growth it takes because trying to be a well-rounded person in a black community can be very difficult because there are so you get shunned for trying to be like you know more of a well-rounded person you know that for so long if you wanted to be you know express your sexuality or even just your gender you'd be classed as gay you know you can't be you can't be emotional and be black man you're class as gay or you're feminine and you get discredited for that so I think it's worth always be held accountable for what you've said but at the same time acknowledge growth can happen and it's a constant it's a constant thing it's never going to be completely you know I don't expect things to get fantastically better in the world to change and to be a a pot of like rainbows and happiness Mm. but at the same time acknowledging people's growth I think is almost as important as acknowledging where they fucked up as well absolutely and that's such a good point to make hey everyone I've been on the go recently Phoenix Kansas City Chicago if you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home you have an Airbnb Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Like you said, it, it's all a journey, right? Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is like born with all this knowledge of mm-hmm. different cultures and different experiences and how different people experience the world differently. And we're all guilty of, at one point in time, holding probably problematic views what, yeah, definitely. or saying problematic yeah. slurs, yeah. you know. And But if you berate people for that, that's never going to be productive, you know. And I think that's a big thing in like call-out culture, mm-hmm. you know, calling people out really like harshly when it's like, the journey to go from that place to becoming more well-rounded as a person is one that should be applauded mm-hmm. and not taken for granted either. Yeah, but Definitely. still hold people accountable for the shitty things they've said. You 100%. know, don't ever make excuses. But at the same time, know your experiences where you've grown up are completely different to someone else's. So yeah. you might have been exposed to, you know, gay men and gay women and different types of um, sexualities and that was the norm for you yeah. a lot of other people it just wasn't and once yeah just reiterating the fact that you know growth can happen and it should be encouraged absolutely so I want to talk a little bit about the mental health experiences mm-hmm. of bisexual people because you mentioned this in your article you know you said bisexual people are at an increased risk of suffering from mental health mm-hmm. issues can you tell us about this? Yeah, so the American University did a study which basically showed that they did this study on 500, just over 500 people, which basically showed that bisexual men and women are far more likely to suffer with anxiety and depression. And they did a little bit of research just kind of exploring their space in the LGBTQ community. And there was no space, essentially. And there's increasing fears of loneliness and isolation because no one understands them. And when you're alone and you feel like no one gets you or no one really understands your your struggles, it's inevitable. You know, it's inevitable to start feeling alone and depressed and anxious about just being who you are. And I don't know, like, to me, it's shocking because... There needs to be a space for the B in LGBT. And at the moment, I don't feel like the rest of the LGBT community is doing enough to support the B in their journeys and just in their struggles. I think so often, as I said before, there can be a magnifying glass on different elements of that. And I think 100% everyone always needs to have their story told and explored. But I also feel like the B is often just isolated. And I've seen it so many different times. If a woman like myself is dating a woman now, and then in a few years' time I'm with a man, we get you know, almost like punish, you know, think, oh, she wasn't real anyway. And then I can still give you like a complex about being who you are. I have had experiences where my straight friends have had like literally not even friends a friend who said something really shitty about my sexuality but for the most part whenever it's been like a little bit of shade on my sexuality it's always been done from someone from the lgbtq community and that is like really sad because you should know what it feels like to be isolated but it's a cycle and then on top of that if we add another layer to this you know if we add class to this 100 you know, you yeah you mentioned yourself that you're you what you're working class 
then we've got to talk about I mean the pressures of being working class mm-hmm. but, but then access to mental health treatment can you tell us a little bit about that I just think it's a cycle and that's why I think a lot of bisexual people do suffer from mental health issues because if you feel isolated and for example let's take my own situation into consideration bisexual women also working class you know I don't have as much access to mental health care as let's say my middle class peers you know they can probably afford it I would have to wait on a waiting list which I have you know I've done um I was in therapy last year for um depression and anxiety and to me I was lucky because I got to see it like I got I got on the list quite quickly Mm. but at the same time there are people out there who have had who have mental health issues and they don't have a community to support them as being a bisexual person they don't have access to mental health to kind of help them gauge through the struggles they're going through and at the same time if you add like race to the mix yeah. you know you have you're completely isolated so when your ethnicity plays a role into that as well your community your cultural community isolates you when your own lgbtq community isolates you and you have no access to support in any way shape or form it can be a very lonely experience and i can only imagine no wonder why the like mental health issues on L- um, bisexual people are on the rise. Right. And then I guess the mental health issues for women of colour yeah. and queer women of colour, you probably need more nuanced mm-hmm. help as well. And that's not cheap. And- it's not cheap and it doesn't come. like it, You don't find it anywhere. If you try to come on the NHS, they would tell you, don't be fussy and get who you're given. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm not a woman of colour, so I don't know what it's like to access mental health, especially on the NHS. Mm-hmm. But... You know, these are very real experiences that have a real impact on your mental health. And then when that's not reflected in the mental health help that you're getting, Mm -hmm. this probably can only compound... And like, almost like tumble and like gain more weight. And then it just becomes more of a heavy load to to kind of carry, you know. It's not an easy... Like, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, pity, pity party. But it's not an easy thing to kind of like dapple with. You know, I think if you've got so many different elements of your identity that all kind of contradict and don't like no support system it's inevitable that mental health is going to be on the rise and there needs to be some sort of support and you know you can't bear all of the weight on the NHS you know it's and you can't demand okay I see another black woman or another see another black gay woman to you know help me through my therapy right. but you can create communities there can be communities there for to support one another and I think that does enough as well you know end of the day having a little party or an event where other like-minded individuals are there it won't cure your depression it won't cure your anxiety but it will make it a lot easier and a little less lonely yeah and it's also worth noting one thing that i was thinking about if you're lgbt it's important for you to find your community Mm -hmm. right and then on top of that if you're working class or you live in poverty you have to be able to have access to these communities and we already know pay to get in exactly (laughs) you know we have you have to acknowledge that you know if you live in london you have a certain degree of privilege i guess because london is very cosmopolitan but it's also prohibitively expensive right Mm -hmm. but then if you live outside of london and you live in a more rural area chances are those communities won't be there. So you have to travel to those communities. So there's a physical element of isolation in that as well. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to feel mentally isolated, but then there's to feel mentally isolated and physically. physically. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it would feel to be like that. You know, I'm lucky enough to live in London and have right. access to that. Which I guess is then why sometimes online communities form. are so important yeah. and form because they... I guess transcend barriers of class and a certain level of privilege because 
you know, we need is an internet connection, mm-hmm. and you can get on Twitter or you can get on some blogs or you know, like the article that you wrote that you wrote for Galden, which I'm sure. I mean, for me, really, I know it's not aimed at people like me. You know, as a white woman, that's why I guess it's important to encourage and to and to um, and to see media like this out there because there are a whole host of communities out there that need to be served, and it's probably an underserved community without a doubt but I guess what I want to know is is it all doom and gloom Mm -hmm. and what kind of practical takeaways are there for people who might be like you so young women of colour who have questions about their sexuality what can they do and also what can I do as an ally as a as a white woman so three questions it's not all doom and gloom that's <laughs> okay, your first okay. question advice for people like myself women like myself I would just say keep on pushing because eventually you're going to get to a point where even though I would always encourage um, a community space that isn't the case for everyone you know sometimes you don't have access but online communities are so important and it's weird because a lot of my friends you know queer and not queer you know they I've made them online and I think it's so important there's no barriers online you know you can kind of like you're free to be to speak and just kind of be who you want to be and I think trying to find a home on an online community is I couldn't stress the importance enough if you were isolated and you weren't in London you know you don't have access to this metropolitan city then an online community is the best way and I just always say staying sounds so cheesy but like staying true to yourself and being kind of unapologetic easier for me to say because I'm in a place where I'm a lot more comfortable now but as I said to you I was so guilty before I'd be like oh yeah I'm a lesbian you know just yeah. to make everyone else feel comfortable but that's inevitable you're constantly developing and growing and there is no pressure to get to anywhere and if you decide three years time you're not bisexual then fuck it it's fine you know yeah. you know sexuality is fluid and so is gender and that's in that same breath you know Keep on just finding, exploring yourself and online communities are key. You know, online communities are key. Definitely. And straight white allies. Straight white allies and allies, white allies. I think having conversations like this is a great starting point. And I think opening up your mind and just listening, you know, I think sometimes more often or not, we're in a world where people often just listen to respond and sometimes just listening is enough. And mm-hmm. I think exposing yourself to different types of people, that person in your workplace who might not look like you, you know, giving them the opportunity to, to sound like, to speak to you. And I think creating spaces where using your privilege for good is perfect. Like this situation, you know, giving um, me a platform just to talk about my story is an excellent example of like using your privilege or your opportunities for a greater good and I think we can all do that on a micro scale essentially I think in your workplace you can speak to someone who doesn't sound like you and make environments a little less lonely and I think yeah just giving someone an opportunity to just talk and not listen not um, listening just to respond actually listening kind of exposing yourself to different types of people don't contain yourself into smaller circles like the world's a big place and not everyone has experiences like you and that's fine yeah I think expose yourself keep keep yourself well-rounded yeah great advice great tips (laughs) from Aaliyah there and so lastly what are you working on this is yours to 
to promote. Okay, so you can, first and foremost, you can follow me on Instagram with all my great selfies. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, what's my Instagram? So it's at, you know, and then 29, full stop, zero two. It's 29th of February, basically, which is my birthday. So oh, you'll never forget that. Nice. <laughs> and then, so I also, I'm a, a filmmaker, videographer, video editor. So I like to do films. I love to do music videos and stuff like that. So you can check my stuff out on my Instagram as well. So I like have links and stuff like that all up there. Ali, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much to Aaliyah for sharing her time and her experience today. Sexuality is so fluid and it can be really hard to explore in a world that's constantly bombarding you with heteronormative narratives. Bisexuality is real, it's valid. So if you're bisexual and you're listening to this, we see you, we hear you, we're here for you and we stand with you. The more I learn about this and things like this and being an ally, uh, I I find that, yes, it's about physically showing up to things, but also about doing the work that doesn't make you look good or give you a nice Instagram post. It's the uncomfortable conversations to have with your friends and your family and those around you, calling out problematic discussion and educating people so that it's not just constantly your one gay friend or your one black friend having to do the burden of this work. So with that in mind... Let us know what you think about the episode. Rate, review, subscribe to us. It really helps with our visibility. We also don't get everything right all the time. So definitely call us in. We're always grateful for being educated. So if you've got any ideas for topics we could cover or people we could reach out to, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at KitKariaki. You can find us on uh, our brand new Instagram account at KickingTheKariaki. You can drop us an email, uh, KickingTheKariaki at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, KickingTheKariaki. So we're all over the place. Uh, Let us know. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. On that note, we will see you next time where we will be talking to Zora and I cannot wait for you to hear this one. We're going to be talking about being a lesbian after coming out of a Muslim marriage. So see you then. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.